Good morning, City Life. Good morning, church. Good morning, visitors, friends. Good morning to anyone listening to this at any point. Um, I hope and I pray that you're doing well. I believe this is our eighth virtual Sunday together. Crazy. Never thought in my life anything like this would happen. But we pray, we remain being a church, we remain seeking Jesus together. We, we hold ourselves to the vision that God has given us as a church. And I pray that you're doing well. Today, I want to introduce, I want to start by introducing an idea that isn't necessarily our big idea for the day, but that leads us there pretty nicely. And it's this idea, it's this term that comes out of Greek. I think some of you have heard it before. And it's this term, chirotic moments. You see, a chirotic moment is defined by a time when conditions are right for the accomplishment of a crucial moment. Or in other words, it's an opportunity, it's an opportune time for something decisive to happen. It's this special moment that God allows, he builds up, most of the times it's completely unannounced and it just comes and invades your life. But this chirotic moment is this time when God is highlighting something, when he's setting something up spiritually or even physically in your life, that's just this special moment. It's this chirotic moment where he's accomplishing something big. Sometimes that comes out of just pure blessing and God moves and moves powerfully and it's this decisive moment that he just shows you his victory and something that's in your way just gets utterly demolished. It's this special time. But sometimes also chirotic moments are come out of this place of deep, deep yearning and deep, deep crying. It's this thing that you've been carrying. It's this habit or it's this idea or it's this just obstacle in your way that you've been crying for. You've been crying and screaming out for help. And then out of nowhere, God rushes to the rescue and this moment becomes this special time in your life where God shows you that he is able. A chirotic moment is this time where God just shines in your life and something amazing happens, something that you probably doubt will ever come to pass happens. You know, in my life, I can clearly think of at least four moments where I'm just like, yeah, that was a chirotic moment. And I've talked actually about most of them with all of you, but today I just wanted to briefly talk about one, probably the one that seems the most innocuous, the one that does not like jump off of any page. But last year, and I was at the mechanic and I was reading this book called Soul Care that I had been reading for the last six years. And I got to this one part of the book, and if you've ever read this book, it's by, by Rob Reamer, a CMA pastor, and it's called, uh, called Soul Care again. And I got to this point that I had read so many times before, but then for some reason, unannounced, at the mechanics, God just showed up and did something powerful in my soul that I don't even really have the words for yet. The only way that I can really talk about what happened is that I literally felt like this switch went off in my head and I felt this jolt in my chest and all of a sudden, just so many things came into place. So many habitual sins that I had fallen into from time to time over a long time in my life. The power just was stripped away from it. I, I literally feeling like I almost fell out of my chair. I caught myself because this click was just so powerful in my heart and my soul somewhere in here. And 
as quickly as it came, it went away, and I was just praising God. I, I was holding off from crying, and I have no idea what he meant. And not all chirotic moments look like that, but for some reason God chose to use me reading this book in this mechanic, even though I had read this in so many more appropriate areas or settings before. But yet somehow that day was a special day. It was this day of freedom that God had for me. And today we're going to be talking about one of these chirotic moments, a, a moment that Jesus shared with one of the most unlikeliest characters, I think, in all of Scripture. And this is our big idea. This is our idea. If you remember nothing else from today, remember this. Remember that real faith responds to God whenever he comes near. That real, genuine, life-giving, life-changing faith responds whenever God comes near. That real faith responds whenever God comes near, no matter the circumstances, no matter the obstacles, and no matter what day of the week it is. But that real faith responds to God whenever he does something. Whenever one of these moments or any type of moment comes, faith responds. Faith is a thing that searches for God in all occasions, in all seasons, in all obstacles, and that it carries healthy expectancy from God in every season of life. Now, this faith that is unshakable, that is grounded and rooted in God, that empowers us, that keeps us strong, that keeps us going after God in every season of life, that's what we're going to be talking about today. You know, this story is such a powerful and, and it's such a joyous story of this man whose faith uh, should make no sense to us. It should make no sense to any one of us. We're going to read here that Jesus is being followed by his, all of his disciples and a great crowd. And somehow the least prepared, the least equipped, the least expected person in this multitude of people was the one who saw Jesus the most clearly. Today we're going to be reading the last story in Mark 10. We're chugging along, don't worry. Mark 11 is on the way, and we actually even, the next story we've already covered, so we're going to skip that, but we're finishing off Mark. If you want to turn with me to Mark uh, chapter 10, verse 46, we're going to be reading about blind, poor Bartimaeus. But before we really jump in, I, I, I feel like uh, we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to pray before we read, because I just have been feeling the Holy Spirit all over this story in my life today. And I want us to go to Him. I want us to bring all of our questions and needs, all of our doubts, all of the places that we're wrestling because of quarantine, and even the things that we know we've carried for a long time. And I want to pray that the Holy Spirit does something, that He shakes some stuff loose today that he just builds up our faith to be this genuine thing that responds to God whenever he comes near. Whenever God in his plan has something is about to happen, that we would respond. And so please pray with me. Jesus, I just thank you for this day, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for being with blind Bartimaeus this day, and I thank you for recording this in your scripture, Lord. I pray that this sign of faith, that this strong individual here would just shine so brightly for us. 
we remember what you did for him on this day because nothing good comes away from you. That you shine in Bartimaeus' heart today, Lord. I pray that you would do something powerful. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into wherever we all are, into our MC call after this, into our daily lives, into our work environment, Lord, into our MCs during the week, Lord. And we just pray that you would shake out some stuff this week, Lord, and in this season so that we can have this faith that hmm, that makes no sense, that seemingly comes out of nowhere. Lord, do something mighty in our life. We trust you. We love you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so let's read. Let's read God's word. Again, Mark 10, verse 46. God's word says, And they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the day. Oh, I love this story. I have a newfound appreciation for Bartimaeus, for what Jesus' compassion and love, everything that's going on here. And I just have so many questions. I have so many questions. My manuscript, my notes all week have just been question after question, and usually kind of speechless, like, what? <laughs> what happened here? Who is this Bartimaeus guy? How, is, how did he become so sensitive to God? How in his life of struggle, his life of being blind and a beggar and poor, how did this happen? How did this all produce this one man who was just so sensitive to what God was doing, so sensitive to this opportunity that stood in front of him? You know, I, I also love the respect that, that the Holy Spirit is obviously showing to Bartimaeus in this story. To me, it's like scripture is highlighting him and saying, look at this guy, look at this guy. This is special. This is not just another story. One of the facts being that we even get his name. A lot of Jesus is healing. The recipients of the healing in the Gospel of Mark uh, don't even name the guy, but we get his name. And actually, we even get his father's name. This is Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Like, scripture to me is saying, look, look at this. Look at this. He was blind and he was a beggar and he was the son of Timaeus. Mark the gospel writer who seemed like he was wor working on a word count, trying to keep as few words as he can, just goes out of his way here, uncharacteristically, tells us so much about this son, this Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And again, I don't want us, I, the focus of this story in every story is always God and what he's doing. But I think scripture is, is honoring him, saying, look at, look at him. Like, there's, I did something special in him. Look at this son of mine, Bartimaeus. And that just causes me to ask even more questions. It's like, how, how, Bartimaeus, how did you respond to Jesus so quickly? Bartimaeus, how did you know that Jesus, the son of Nazareth, was the son of David? 
how in all of these stories before and after this of people rejecting Jesus, of saying no to him, of, of not wanting anything to do with him, of actually trying to actively kill him, what, how, Bartimaeus? You are the least likely of person to say yes. A really, really famous and well-known pastor and preacher um, preached a seminal sermon on this. His name was C.H. Spurgeon, and he calls Bartimaeus a secret disciple of Jesus. That somewhere in his life, somewhere before all of this, that he had been hearing stories about this man doing things that only God could do. And instead of rejecting that, instead of growing pessimistic, instead of going any which way that he could have gone with that, he stored these stories in his heart and he began to hope and he began to cultivate faith that if he ever met this man, this Jesus of Nazareth, oof, what could happen? And so I love that Bartimaeus is this blind, poor man. And I want to talk about that a little bit before we really get into our, our big points for the day. The fact that he was blind, that's the most obvious obstacle, right? Living blind I think, at any time is obviously not convenient. It's hard. It's this difficult life. But in ancient world, man, what a life that blind people lived. Even let's just, let's just think about it in, in like the nature of all of it. That no light had ever entered into Bartimaeus' life. That he lived in darkness. That he lived not being able to trust that thing that we live our entire lives around. Bartimaeus never knew that. He could never live on his own. In fact, Bartimaeus lived his entire life. Everything that he ever got was based off of the generosity of others. Man, to live that, that type of life must have been hard. You see, every day Bartimaeus would go to the city gate, which was along the roadside here that we hear, and he would just sit out there all day, every day, day after day after day, asking people for money. That everything that he ever got was out of the pity or the generosity of, of people that he sometimes knew, but probably did not know for the most part. And that, G, that Bartimaeus did this day after day, relying on only what people gave him outside the city gate. Man, what a life. This socially being blind socially meant so much to him that begging was the only profession that he could do. That in Jesus' day, it was seen you to be, it was good and righteous to help those who are begging. And so he had that advantage. But man, he couldn't have any other job other than begging people for money, begging for his provision. And this also meant that he knew very little bit, a little bit about God because he couldn't read the Torah. No rabbi would have ever taught him that he only relied on what he knew about God because he heard it from other people. Man, what a life. That everything that Bartimaeus ever got was out of the generosity of or pity of other people. And let's also talk about the fact that he was poor, right? No beggar is going to be making bank or have a 4013 or any of those things, a savings account. And that he had no provision outside of what people wanted to give him. That he begged for money every day as a job. Every day, one of his friends would have brought him, or a complete stranger, would have brought him to the city gate. And they would have laid down his his cloak in front of him for him to sit on or lie on, spend all day in the hot sun, 
and asking people for money, and that's how he made a living, that he was poor, that he would have never had a lot, that he would have never had any things, that he would have never had stuff tucked away, but that he lived on dependency of things that came outside of his hands all his life. And just again, so many questions. Where did this faith come from? How was this generated? I have so many questions. I wish I could meet Bartimaeus on those questions. Who would you meet from history? Bartimaeus shot up on my list very fast this weekend. And so, again, remember our big idea for the day. That real faith responds to God whenever he draws near. How did Bartimaeus see Jesus so clearly? How how out of everyone did this blind, poor man who had no reason to be the one who really saw Jesus, how was he the only one to really see who he was on this roadside? And so I want to talk about three things today. The first one being, I've been calling it Bartimaeus' vision. And, and they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho, Jesus spent apparently very little time in Jericho, but on his way out, with, this, with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus was on the roadside, but as Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting along the roadside. And then verse 47, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he just became, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I love this contrast that we see here, that the only blind man that we know is present here is the only one who sees who Jesus really is and calls him by his real name. Jesus, the son of David, and he cries out this cry that came out of a deep, deep place in his heart, a place that he, where he knew his limitations, where he knew where he could <laughs> see Jesus. He said, have mercy on me. Seven words, these seven words that changed the rest of his life. I love how simple and profound that prayer is. I love how it stops Jesus in his tracks And Jesus has to respond because he hears where this prayer is actually coming from. These seven words that change everything that Bartimaeus ever knew. You see, Bartimaeus prays this out of a place where he knew his limitations. He knew his poverty. He knew his blindness. He was well acquainted with all of that. And he knew his need. I love here again in, in verse 48. It says, And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. I I love this. I love Bartimaeus' tenacity, his persistence here. I love how no matter when people were rebuking him and telling him to be quiet, he he did not even slow down, but in fact he started screaming all the more, crying all the more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I I love that Bartimaeus answered so many of my questions in just his prayer. That Bartimaeus knew what he needed. There was this one thing in his life that he knew was he should have no hope to see. And yet, Bartimaeus somehow knew that this man, that this specific man, Jesus of Nazareth, was the son of David. He was the one who the woman with the issue of bleeding also saw in back in Mark 5, who knew if this is the son of David, he knew if this is the Messiah, the one that we're waiting for, 
All I have to do is touch the hem of his garments and I'll be healed. Or like the Syrophoenician woman who was not even um, from Israel. She was a Gentile and she knew uh, that if this man is the son of David, that if he is this Messiah, the one that we're waiting for, then I can wrestle with him. And even if the fact that I don't belong, if I, sh if I believe in him for, with all my heart, if I have genuine faith, if I wrestle with him, then he's going to help my daughter who has the demon back in, in chapter 7. You see, Bartimaeus joins an elite club here that I think I only really put these three people in who knew who Jesus was way before it was time for them to really be able to see who he was that they knew the Old Testament, that they knew the promises, that they knew what this son of David was going to be able to do. And then when they hear that this man's Jesus, their heart can rely on it and go after it and jump after him. All the things that we know God can do in our life, and yet we don't chase after him. That's been so convicting to me in my life. It's made me ask this question to myself a lot this weekend. Is what keeps us or what keeps me from really living like we see who Jesus really is? I say I profess Jesus with my whole heart. He's my Savior, and I want to live every minute for him. Does my life show that? Do I live like Bartimaeus? I get this one opportunity, and no one is going to stop me from getting it. Do I really live like that? These types of questions have been really, really heavy on my heart. Would I join this elite club of people who knew Jesus, who knew who Jesus really was, even before it was really time to know? I love, I love that Bartimaeus was blind, and yet he was the one who really saw Jesus and knew how to honor Jesus, how to really profess his need for him. And that's made me want to talk about the second point for today, Bartimaeus' offering. To talk about Bartimaeus' story, we have to talk about his cloak. We just absolutely cannot ignore his cloak. It is so vital to the whole story here. So I, I love how when Jesus calls out, when Jesus recognizes this prayer that really comes out of this desperate, faith-filled place out of someone, he stops in his track, and all he says is call him. And the people who are rebuking him, or maybe people who who really cared about Bartimaeus but were just holding their tongue, didn't care enough to talk about, people around him start saying, take heart, get up, he's calling you in verse 49. I love how Jesus stops his journey, stops where he's going, stops everything, drops everything, drops his march up to Jerusalem, and he wants to focus on this one prayer that's calling out to him. And then we see here in verse 40, after they say, get, take heart, get up, he is calling you. Verse 50 says, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And then Jesus says, and what do you want me to do for you? And I love how before anything happened between Bartimaeus and Jesus, the first thing that Bartimaeus does is that he throws off his cloak. Now we talked about this a little bit, but the cloak was the most one the single most important thing most likely that Bartimaeus had owned in his life see when he was brought to the city gate or by the roadside he would lay out his cloak and day after day he would that would comfort him that would hold the money that he was given that would at night also be the only thing keeping him warm 
to Bartimaeus to a beggar, the few possessions that he would have had, his cloak would have been the most important thing to him. It provided almost everything that he needed in life. It was his provision. It was his shelter. It kept him comfortable. It kept him warm or cool when the sun was way too strong. And yet, before Jesus does anything for Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus' faith tells him to throw away his cloak. Now, we often talk about living sold-out lives for Jesus. We want to live, and that's a good thing to want. But I, I wonder how many of us actually start doing that. And see, before Jesus does anything for Bartimaeus, before Bartimaeus even knows that God is going to heal him for sure, without assurances of anything, when Bartimaeus gets the attention that he never probably thought that he would get from this Jesus, son of Nazareth, the son of David, he throws away his livelihood. He throws away his one comfort. He throws away the most important thing. He throws away his livelihood. He throws away everything that he's known, everything that represents his life as a poor, blind beggar. And he throws it away before Jesus does anything for him. Again, let's remind ourselves that Jesus is the good one in this story, but man, what a powerful work he has done in Bartimaeus' heart to understand all of these things, to, that he would throw away his cloak and jump and run to Jesus to follow where his voice was last heard. Man, what a beautiful picture it is of living our lives just wholeheartedly, unabashed, without any hesitation, living our lives for Christ. And then Jesus would say to him, what do you want me to do for you? And that he would say, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. I, I just love this picture of this man and this Savior, this man who was so desperately in need of a Savior, and this Savior who so lovingly and compassionately stops for the one man out of all of this, all of these people there. I, I love that Bartimaeus throws away his cloak. That before Jesus does anything, I, I've said this again, and I'll say, it, I'll say it right now again, that before Jesus does anything for him, he's already throwing away everything for what Christ is going to give him. He didn't know that Jesus would heal him. He had heard probably the story in Mark 7 where he heals the blind man in Bethsaida. And maybe he didn't even know that story yet. Maybe word hadn't gotten to him yet. But somehow he knew he had faith that this son of David could do something for him that would radically change his life. Now, the question here that has been on my heart so much, this seeing Bartimaeus throw away his cloak and seeing how I've lived my life has made me ask this question to myself, and I'll ask it to all of you today. This is, do, do I, do we require proof from Jesus before we ever start living for him? Do I live in a way that, that really communicates to him, Jesus, I'll follow you. Jesus, I call you my Messiah, but I'm not actually going to start living sacrificially until you do this thing for me. Or Jesus, you know, I'm not going to worship you or I'm not going to actually think that you are the sovereign God until you do X for me. Maybe in this quarantine season, hey, Jesus, like, why is this going on? I don't know if I can believe you if, if all of this is happening. Prove to me, get rid of this, and then I'll, I'll follow you. Like, oh, 
No, Bartimaeus was willing, was wanting, and he was actively living his life for Jesus before Jesus did a single thing for him. That whether or not he would have been, his blindness would have been cured that day, seems to me that Bartimaeus would have lived his life passionately for Jesus as a blind man after this too, as a blind poor man. Speaks so much to my heart, speaks so much to my faith. I want to live more like Bartimaeus, and I didn't know I needed to be more like Bartimaeus really until this weekend. And so let, let's talk about this last one, Bartimaeus' faith. Let's address his faith really quickly. I want us to focus on the last verse of this, but before we even go there, I, I hope and I pray that you um, see the contrast between our story today and our story from two weeks ago. Now, months ago, maybe even a year ago or over a year, something like that, I preached uh, about how Mark often uses something called an information sandwich or a story sandwich, where he's contrasting two things, where he bookends them with this one story and then he fills it in the middle and then he finishes that point with another story. And I pray that you see the contrast between poor blind Bartimaeus and the rich young man, as Mark calls him, the rich young ruler as some of the other gospels call him. That this man Bartimaeus who had nothing and yet was willing to give away the one thing that he had, was willing to give away his identity, his livelihood, the one thing that he needed. He was willing to throw it all away. And yet we see the rich young ruler who had everything, who had so much in the way, his life, his possessions, what he wanted, his desires, and he was not willing to give away any of it. I hope that these two stories contrast. The Bartimaeus, the man with so much faith that he gave away everything before Jesus did anything for him, and this rich young ruler, this rich young man who couldn't get rid of anything and left Jesus so sorrowfully. I hope that that's that you see the contrast in these two stories. But let's let's talk about let's specifically address verse 52. Verse 52 says, "And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well." And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. See, it's not often that we see the specific Jesus says the specific reason of what made someone well. He does say this in other story, but he specifically addresses Bartimaeus' faith, that it is what made him well, that it was God who healed him, Jesus who healed him, but it was the faith that Bartimaeus had, the faith in asking Jesus, of knowing that Jesus was even this, this son of David, that it was his faith that ultimately made him well. You know, I've often quoted Hebrews 11 when talking about faith. But after reading Bartimaeus' story, I, I just come out with the sense that it, this was like, the Holy Spirit must have been thinking about Bartimaeus when he inspired he, the author of Hebrews to write this. Hebrews 11 addresses faith. And in the verse for, verse, first verse, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. I just see Bartimaeus' example all over this. I see what God did through Bartimaeus all over this verse. That it is this hope, assurance of things hoped for. That Bartimaeus thought, he must have had it in his heart somewhere, that if I ever meet this Jesus, maybe he could be the one to give me the one thing that no one else can give me. Maybe he can be the one, if I meet this Jesus of Nazareth, 
I can ask him to do something for me, ask to do the one thing that he could do that no one else seemingly can do. And then we also see here the conviction of things not yet seen. Man, there's so much conviction that Jesus could have done this for him, that this blind man, he'd never seen anything, but he had this, all this conviction that he could see if only he got to Jesus, if only Jesus could hear him cry, and that he wouldn't let anyone stand in his way. I love Hebrews 11 and Bartimaeus. I hope that I never see them to, apart from one another anymore. That it is his faith that made him well. The power is Jesus. The power is always Jesus. The power is always comes from God. But that I want this faith. I want this faith that changes the way I live. And somehow Bartimaeus took what he got from Jesus. It, it changed everything about his life. It changed everything about what he could do, the freedoms that he had. Bartimaeus, I don't know if we can truly grasp this, but Bartimaeus' whole life turned around and everything that was impossible before now became possible. He could do anything with his life. One of the things that Spurgeon talks about, which for a while I thought was a little strange, was how a blind man in this day couldn't travel and he couldn't experience life and he couldn't go to places. He was stuck in Jericho and that was his whole life. But I, I see the significance after this, after reading all of this. Let's read 52 again. It says, Jesus said, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus is saying here, I, I, I'll do this for you. I've done this for you. Your faith has made you well. Now go your way. Live your life. Do what you want to do. You have freedom now. And yet, the last sentence of the story says, And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on that day. On that way. That Bartimaeus here is saying, even after he received something, something amazing that changed his whole life, that rocked everything about him and how he would live his life. Jesus says, go your way. And Bartimaeus say, Jesus, my way is now with you. I'm going to follow you. I love that that is attached to the story, how that is attached to Bartimaeus' faith. That he's saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm not going to go anywhere that you're not. My way now is just being fully committed to you. The same commitment that he showed when he asked Jesus for, <laughs> for this miracle, when he asked Jesus to help him, he's going to live that dedication, that commitment out, even after Jesus served him. You know, how many, we have stories in Scripture of people who got something from Jesus and then disobeyed him afterwards or did whatever they wanted to or used their blessings in all the wrong ways. But how in, in Bartimaeus' faith helped him to live out his healing even afterwards. Man, I, I just love Bartimaeus' story. I love his heart. I want his heart. I want to live more like Bartimaeus today. And so remember, our big idea for the day is about responding to God whenever he comes near. Whenever these chirotic moments happen in our life. Whenever God is doing something special about partnering in and saying yes right away, about not requiring proof from God, but knowing who he is and living it out so intently and so passionately and so without room for anything else. I love how Bartimaeus shows us this in this story. And so let's conclude. Let's, let's put this together a little bit more nicely so that we can uh, do something and enter into our MC calls um, to wrestle through the story a little bit more.
let's conclude with uh, two quick points. And so to conclude, I, I just want us to talk about these last two points really quickly. I've been holding off of saying these last two things um, to the end because I felt like it was better here at the end. And the first one is that I, I pray, I think that Bartimaeus' story has been so exciting to me this week, has been so, uh, I've received it in such a new way, is because I see it maybe like never before, that really Bartimaeus is an example, is a picture of what all of our lives can look like. You know, before Jesus, before knowing Jesus, we're all completely blind. We're spiritually blind. We don't know anything. We get glimpses of these truths. We get glimpses of beauty here and there. But before we know that it's Jesus, we live lives that are spiritually blind in this world. You know, before coming to Jesus, we're also poor. That we have this debt that we cannot pay with our lives. And no matter how righteous we try and live, no matter what we do, there's this unpayable debt that no one can ever pay. You know, Bartimaeus, he represents you and he represents me. And he also represents the choices in the life that we all have the opportunity to live. You know, if you're listening to this and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't know what freedom really looks like. If you don't know Jesus and if you're not under his rule and his dominion, then I pray that you would know what real freedom is because Jesus is the only one who takes away this blindness that we all were born into and this debt that none of us could ever pay. I, I pray that you would get to a point in your life where you say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And watch how God just brings in freedom into your life. Watch how chirotic moment after chirotic moment, Jesus brings alleviation from oppression in your life. You know, we believe and we say, and I pray that we live out of this place that says, Jesus, you are the only place that real life comes out of. And so that's why, Son of David, have mercy on me. I want only what you have for me, and I want to follow you every day of my life. And then secondly, the last point of the day, the last quick point of the day. I hope that this has been clear all throughout, but the only reason why Bartimaeus' story is so great, is so exciting, is because he puts his faith and his trust, and he proclaims the right Savior, the right Son of David. That if this story had happened with anyone who had, anyone else who had ever lived, this story would have not been a good thing, but it would have been a sad day. Bartimaeus somehow found the right Jesus of Nazareth, the right son of David. And that is the only reason why this story is something that we celebrate. Because when we find Jesus, we find real life. We find God and we find everything that he's doing. So today, church, let's desperately reach out to Jesus out of a place in our hearts that we know is deep and has been crying out for a long time. And let's ask Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Know that in Jesus you can be forgiven of every sin, that Jesus separates the sin as far as the east is to the west, and that we can live our lives with Jesus, man, man, if we just respond like Bartimaeus. You know, when when we profess our, our faith in Jesus, we make it public. 
But oh, I pray that for all of us that our faith in Jesus really starts just like Bartimaeus as a secret disciple. Spurgeon used, remember, the secret disciple that in your heart you're, the answer is already secured, that the answer has already been made, that it is Jesus. And so remember, our idea for today is that real faith responds to Jesus or to God whenever he draws near. And so I, I pray that God would just be giving us chirotic moment after chirotic moment this week and in this season of quarantine, that we can experience God's provision and we can experience true life with him now, even in our homes before we ever leave or be able to resume any sense of normal living again. Like, oh, Jesus, I want to respond to you in faith whenever you're doing something in my life. Whenever you're near to me, Jesus, that's what I want. And so let's get into our MC calls this week and into our MCs with our relationships with our families, friends, co-workers. And let's realize that there's nothing holding us back from sharing this Jesus that we know and we love and we know we can trust in. Here are our prompts for when we go into our whole church uh, call again. The first prompt for the day is, what keeps us from really living like we see who Jesus really is? Do our lives really show that we, we live like we're serving the one true king? Secondly, do we require proof from Jesus before we live like we believe? Have there been times in your life when you're saying, Jesus, I'll do this if you do this first? And has that become a habit in our lives? And then lastly, let's talk about the woman with the issue of the bleeding in Mark 5. Let's talk about the Syrophoenician woman in, in Mark 7. And then let's also talk about Bartimaeus, all three people who, who saw Jesus for who he really was before it made sense to even know who he was. And so let's just say, quite simply, how? And also, what do they have in common? What do the three share in common? And so City Life, I love you. I'm here for you. We're praying together. We're getting through this as a season together. Remember that we have now this new system of benevolence. If anyone has any need, please come to the church. We believe that there's always enough in the body to take care of one another and for people who are in help. We want to be a part of helping our city, of helping the people that we know and love about people in our church. And so let's continue to go through this season. This is week eight again, insane, but we'll get this through together. And with Jesus, with this radical faith and this radical God who came here and saved and, and did everything that we couldn't do for ourselves. And so let's jump on these calls. We love you and I'll talk to you soon.